0: Welcome to this time of worship at Faith Christian Reformed Church in Elmhurst. I'm glad that you could join in, and we pray that you are blessed during this hour of song, prayer, and God's Word. While we aren't printing our weekly bulletins these days, they continue to be on our website under resources, and there's important information for you there, and it's beyond information beyond what's announced here in the services beyond what's on the emails and in social media especially items for prayer and ministry updates so please uh, remember to check out the bulletins online as we continue to live in stressful times in terms of our our health in terms of our our work situations and our financial situations we're reminded As we enter into worship of these verses from Psalm 63, you, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. Receive this greeting from the Lord. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from Christ Jesus our Lord through the working of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We're going to sing together a couple of songs of praise as we begin (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.
1: Jesus. So.
0: God and our God is a holy God. He calls us his people to holiness too. The Ten Commandments show us the way. Let's listen to them. We're going to hear the words from Exodus 20, but also applications of each command from the New Testament. Feel free to join in where indicated uh, wherever you're watching. You shall have no other gods before me,
1: for from him
0: and And through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. forever. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. In In Christ Christ, we we have have redemption, redemption, the forgiveness forgiveness of of sins. sins. He He is is the image of the invisible God, God, the firstborn firstborn over all creation. creation. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Let Let us us continually continually offer to God a sacrifice sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. with gratitude gratitude in in your hearts to God. God. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Children, Children, obey obey your parents parents in everything, everything, for for this this pleases pleases the Lord. Lord. Fathers, Fathers, do do not not exasperate exasperate your children. children. Instead, Instead, bring bring them up in the training and and instruction instruction of of the Lord. You shall not murder. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. You shall not commit adultery. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. You shall not steal. Those who have been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their hands, so that they may have something to share with those in need. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head. That is Christ. You shall not covet your neighbor's house or anything that belongs to your neighbor. I have have learned learned to be content whatever whatever the circumstances. circumstances. We confess that we have not lived up to the holy standards of our God. His will that his people should love him and love our neighbors. And so let's confess our sins in thought, word, and in deed using this next song that's taken from Psalm 51, a psalm of confession. Let's sing.
1: Go to God in our
0: prayer. Father, thank you that you accept poor sinners like us into your presence. Your word tells us that because of your abundant love, you receive and you heal broken hearts, hearts weighed down. As your spirit helps us realize the extent and the depth of our sins. And our great need for forgiveness, we go to the only solution, our only salvation, the one you yourself lovingly provided, your son, Jesus. We go to his atoning death on the cross and his glorious resurrection that brings new life and life eternal. O Lord, these days and these times Threaten to make us forget the new life that you've given us. They can squash the fruit of the Spirit in our hearts and in our lives. Help that not to happen. Help us to remember and be assured that nothing can remove your living presence from us. Not illness not financial ups and downs, not even death itself. And help your spirit's fruit, joy and peace and gentleness and all the rest be evident for all to see. And in hard times like these, help them to be an even greater witness than in normal times of your love and your power for living for those who believe. That even through this, we, your people, will not lose hope or confidence in you. Cling to us and keep us, Lord, as we seek in these times to stay close to you. Use this hour of worship and other ways we continue to interact as a church family to bind us together. Keep us together as a church, too, close to you and your ways and your will, especially be near the vulnerable and all those with special needs. Bless the Quarta family in these days. May the radiation treatments Dale is starting help him breathe better. And may they shrink the cancer in his body. Father, also continue to bring comfort and peace uh, to Pete and Nancy Bohr and their family in these days when they mourn the passing away of a son, and can't interact with friends and family and receive the comfort of the church in the way we usually do when we mourn a loss. Holy Spirit, would you comfort them, and may they sense in a very real way our comfort and love and prayers for them too. As we take seriously the recommendations of social distancing, to protect the vulnerable from getting the coronavirus. Oh God, we think of those who are lonely and for whom these precautions are becoming draining and hard. Give us all an extra measure of your strength and spirit for living in these times. Give your care and your spirit in a special way to those missing a loved one who would normally be there with them through all this. Bless, too, those who wish they had someone close to, go through times like this with. And oh God, bless those uh, for whom uh, the closeness with family members stuck in home is getting to be just a little bit too much. But Father, we don't want to be ungrateful for what we do have either. And so we give thanks for the blessings of family and friends and church family of shelter, of food, of clothing, all that we do have. Help us trust that you provide for us enough and that it's part of your perfect plan for each one of us. Lord, even as that widow of Zarephath had so little, but her bit of oil and flour never ran out and it was enough for each day, may what we have be enough for each day too. We know you're the same miracle-working God you've always been. Work in our lives to give your children today what we need, day by day. And as a church family, show us how to be the church in these times. How to care for one another, how to care for those beyond our church family, and how to share the care of Jesus himself through the proclamation of your word, the good news of Jesus. Use even this time that we're spending right now for those purposes, Lord. For your glory, for our equipping and blessing to live for you. And so we pray, take our hearts, Lord, take our lives, lead us, guide us, use us in your service in these days and always. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing together again uh, a few verses of take my life and let it be. give uh, once again just another brief offering update. An important part of Christian worship is giving uh, to the extent that we have an offering time during each one of our regular worship services when we're normally worshiping. Um, Without us being gathered together, we can't really do that But we do want to continue to encourage you, if you're able, to give as you feel led. Our deacons, in particular, want to highlight uh, the need to maintain our general fund for our ministries, for our facilities. But also, in these days, to consider the benevolent fund, since the economic impact of the coronavirus may very well be significant. And members of our congregation are already feeling that. You can give to the church, again, as you're able and as you feel led, uh, through the mail or through online giving. Right now on our website, there's a tutorial for online giving. And in the bulletin this week, you'll find some reasons to consider online giving if you haven't up until now. We're going to spend a moment Uh, being reminded of what we believe and we're going to do that with the first question and answer of our catechism which was originally written in like 1563 but seems so relevant to our situation right now as we read these words. I'll read the question and you can read along with the answer if you'd like. What is your only comfort in life and death? That I am not my own but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head, without the will of my Father in heaven. Because I belong to him, Christ, by his Holy Spirit, assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him.
2: Let's pray to prepare ourselves for hearing the word of the Lord. Father, these are strange times. Strange and uncomfortable times. And so we thank you that we can continue to find our comfort and our hope in you. And Father, we pray that through this time of hearing your word... Help us to be comforted. Father, through this time of hearing your word, help us to be challenged. Through this time of hearing your word, help us to look toward Christ, to see him again in his glory, and to be drawn to be more like him, to follow your ways, to draw closer to you. Father, we pray all this in the name of Jesus, our Lord, our Savior. Amen. In this service, we're continuing our Come to the Table series on the Gospel of Luke. In this series, we've been looking at different texts in the Gospel of Luke where Jesus has shared meals with people, where he has received or practiced hospitality. And I I have to admit, this is a bit of a strange dynamic to be continuing to talk about hospitality when we're in a time of, of social distancing and being told, stay away from people, don't be hospitable, don't eat with people. But I think these messages, these messages from these texts of of Jesus' hospitality continue to be important to us in these times. And let me give you just a couple reasons. There are many, but let me give you just a couple. First, as the the question and answer of the Heidelberg Catechism reminded us a moment ago, we continue to desperately need the hospitality of the Lord. We need the comfort that the Lord brings us. We need the Lord to draw us into his presence and to assure us that we belong to him, that he cares for us all the time. And second, in times of crisis, we're tempted to shut down. We're tempted to care about ourselves and about those close to us and and to shut out the rest of the world. And, And there's some good to that. We do have a special obligation to care for our loved ones. But we as believers are called and we're equipped and we're empowered to do more than that. Even in these times and in the hard times that may lay ahead, we are still called to practice the hospitality of the Christian life. And so as we read and reflect on this text, be reminded that the Lord welcomes us in and cares for us. And also let's be challenged to, to think about, to reflect, to pray, to work toward extending true hospitality to those around us. Let's read from chapter Luke from Luke chapter 14 from verse 7 to 14. When this text begins, Jesus is at a banquet. When Jesus noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, Give this man your seat. Then, humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, Friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all your fellow guests. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous." As this text opens, Jesus invites his fellow guests and all those who hear these words of his to reflect on where they're placing themselves. And so we'll start with that question for ourselves, too. Where where do we place ourselves? Angela Johnson is a Christian comedian, and she has a story she tells that she calls Dinner with a Random Thug in South Central. And Angela's in the L.A. area, and there's this really, really good taco shop she knows of in South Central. And in her words, South Central is one of those places you drive through, not one of those places you drive to. But see, this one place there has really, really good tacos. So she decides late one night on the way home that she wants some tacos, and so she's going to go to South Central central to get the food she wants now we're going to come back to that story a couple times through the sermon but I want to pause here and I want to ask you to reflect on your own reaction to just just that little bit of the story and I would guess there's some of us who have said that is crazy why in the world would you put yourself somewhere where you're not safe like that drive through the place don't go there and I would guess on the other end, there might be some of us who say, yeah, do what you want to do. You want those tacos, you get those tacos. That's what I would do. And others of us might have other reactions. But, but I think if you consider your, your initial reaction, you might realize that a lot, of, a lot of your initial responses and a lot of my initial responses, a lot of our initial responses... To situations that we encounter in life are self centered and self exalting. How often in life do some of us think, I will keep myself safe? Trouble will not come near me. I will not go anywhere. I will not do anything that threatens my safety. And how often do others of us live our lives according to the principle of, I want what I want, and I'm going to get what I want, and I don't care if it's dangerous or crazy or who tries to get in my way, I want what I want. And each of us works this out differently, but I think it'd be fair to say that a lot of the time, a lot of us are pretty self-centered. We want what's best for ourselves. We put ourselves in the position that we think is going to benefit us the most, we We seek the best seat at the table. And in this text, Jesus calls us out. He calls us out for that tendency to self-exaltation. Jesus is at a banquet, and as he he stands and watches, all the other guests are engaged in this delicate, unspoken negotiation about who's going to sit where. Where? And that was always how it went at banquets in those days. The the host usually got the center seat and often there was kind of a U-shaped table. And the seats next to the host were the seats of honor. The most important guests would sit there. and, And then the kind of important guests would sit a little bit farther out and it would go down and down and down until the least prestigious, the least honored guests got the seats at the end of the table, farthest away from the host. And so if you were a guest at one of these dinner parties... You had to figure out how important you were in relationship to everybody else there. And in those days, your honor, your prestige, your social standing was the most important thing you had for a lot of people. And so you needed to get this right because you were always trying to build up your own prestige and keep other people down but not offend people who were more important than you. So everyone kind of had to figure out, well... I'm more important than those people, so I can be kind of in the middle, but I'm less important than those people, so I should be here. And then usually the most important couple guests wouldn't arrive till later, so you had to factor that in. So, so Jesus watches these people wander and think about where should I place myself, and they're all trying to get the best possible seat, but they realize that they have to be a little bit cautious and and sort of hedge their bets and and put themselves somewhere that's maybe a little bit of a stretch, but not too much. You have to figure out how to maximize your own honor, your own prestige. But then Jesus comes in, and it's almost like he just flips over all the tables. He upends that whole system. The system is built on self-exaltation, on everyone grabbing as much as they can. And Jesus says, stop it. And go the other way. Instead of asking how high up you can sit, ask how you can help others to get places of higher honor. Put your own desires to the side and let someone else have the seat of honor at this banquet. Because everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and everyone who humbles themselves will be exalted. So then the question the question for us is where do we place ourselves? And this question is not actually about where we're sitting. I don't care where you sit at your dinner table. I really don't. But where's your heart? Where are you placing yourselves when you look at other people? Are you looking at yourself and saying, Ha, I'm better than them. Or are you looking at other people and saying, Boy, I wish I could get up to that level. When you look at other people, are you looking down at them? Are you, are you placing yourself above them? Are you exalting yourself? Or are you humbling yourself? Where are you putting yourself? In the second half of this text, Jesus instructs us to sit with the needy, to sit with those who are less privileged than we are. And Jesus tells the host of this banquet, and he tells us that when we give a meal, when we have a party, we shouldn't invite those who are like us, those who could potentially pay the favor back, but instead we should invite the needy. We should sit with the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. Back then, these banquets weren't really about the meal they were about the investment if you hosted one of these banquets you were you were investing you were trying to develop social capital so that people who were lower than you would owe you so that you could demand things of them so that you could put them in in almost a servant relationship and you invited people who were more important than you so that, so that they would look kindly on you and they might do you a favor, they might invite you back and then you could invite other people of a higher social caliber. These were business concerns. They were opportunities to advance yourself. And again, Jesus turns all that over. He's not saying don't eat with your family and friends or anything like that. What he is saying is Invest your social capital in people who can't pay you back. When you choose how to organize your life, organize it in a way so that you build others up without concern for what you do to your own social standing. Sit with the needy. And if that sounds challenging for us, it sounded even more challenging back then. So Angela... She goes to that taco shop in South Central LA, L.A., and she gets there, and she gets out of her car, and she locks the car, and then she turns around, and there's a guy sitting right there. And he's, he's got a wife-beater tank top on and big, baggy sweatpants, and he's got carpet slippers on, like, you know, the house slippers you wear that look kind of like carpet or corduroy. And, and Angela's first thought is, he's going to kill me, he's going to kill me. But she tries to walk by, and the guy says, hey, and she says, hi. And she keeps walking, he says, hey, and she's thinking, he's going to kill me, what, he's going what? He says, hey, buy me a taco? Okay, he just wants a taco, it's fine, it's fine. Yeah, sure, I'll buy you a taco. So she walks up to the restaurant, and this restaurant has bulletproof glass, and the door is always locked, and the only way you get in is by pushing the doorbell, and if they think you look safe, they'll buzz you in. So she pushes the button, they buzz her in, she opens the door, she walks in, and she realizes this guy has walked in right behind her. And again, she's thinking, he's going to kill me. He's going to rob us all. What am I doing? But then he yells, hey, chicken taco with sour cream. And he goes and he sits down. She thinks, okay, he just wants food. So she goes and she orders him a chicken taco with sour cream. And, And then she remembers that's her favorite too. So she orders the same thing and she takes the two orders. She gets a couple sodas and she goes and she sits down with the guy. And somehow they end up at this table just having a great meal and a great conversation. Sitting with the needy sounds really scary. Connecting with the poor, the blind, the lame, the outcast, the disadvantaged can be intimidating. But when we actually take those steps, good things can happen. Good things do happen. These days, as we've already prayed and mentioned in this service, and as we all know, we're in a hard place. And one of the challenges is that we cannot literally sit with the needy these days. It's rude to actually go and sit by somebody we don't know. We're we're supposed to keep our social distance. We're supposed to stay away from people. And so there's a sense where a lot of the things we could usually do to to care for the disadvantaged, we can't do right now. But this is also a time to, to really ramp up our practices of hospitality, If you know somebody who's kind of on the edge of the social network, if you know somebody who might be always a bit isolated but now is especially isolated, now is a great time to pick up the phone and shoot them a text or give them a call or or video chat or send an email or do something to connect with those who might otherwise be, be isolated, be lonely, be alone. We can find ways to connect and that. That right now is a witness to true Christian hospitality. And then along with that, along with that, however the next few weeks and months go, and there's all kinds of predicted futures out there, and none of us know what it's going to look like, but I think we can say for sure that there will be sickness in our culture ahead. And there will be economic challenges and and there will be trouble. It may be bigger or it may be smaller, but there will be trouble and there will be need. And so even now, as you look ahead, be praying, be thinking, be reflecting on how you, on how each of us, how all of us together as a church can be sitting with the needy. If you happen to to have some extra income these days, then maybe you could put it away to, to help those who are in need now or who will be in need down the road. If you've got some time to reflect and reflect on ways that you might be able to serve now and might be able to serve later, that might mean giving some, giving some extra money to, to our benevolence fund, to our general fund, or to some other mission or nonprofit organizations. It might mean running errands for the elderly right now. It, It might mean things that none of us can yet expect or predict. But in these days, let us as a church be praying and let us be preparing and let us be practicing however we can that we sit with the needy because that is who we are as Jesus' people. For our third and our last point today, we're going to focus on one of Jesus' promises in this text. And so our last point is going to be, you will be blessed You will be blessed. And I put that on the screen with some question marks and exclamation mark, and you'll see why in a little bit. Jesus tells us to give to those in need, to to give to those who can't pay us back, to care for the disadvantaged. And after that, he says, and you will be blessed. You will be blessed. And even though they can't repay you, You will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. The Lord assures us that that our service is never in vain. That when we engage with those who are in need, we are blessed. And there is great hope and also great challenge there. So Angela brings these tacos over to the table, and she and this guy begin talking, and before long, it kind of feels like they're on their first date. He's asking all the right questions, he's, he's really sharing deep things with her, they're laughing together, they're sharing hopes and dreams, they have this wonderful meal together, it's turning into a great evening, and then at one point, Angela says, you know, this is, this is really embarrassing, it's kind of funny, but it's really embarrassing, but... But when I first saw you, when we first came in, I really thought like you were going to rob me or something. And the guy looks at her and and he takes his last bite of taco and then he says, you know, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. Mm Mm-hmm. And now, dramatic pause, now you're going to give me that purse. And he grabs her purse and he stands up and he runs out of the taco shop, jumps a fence and he's gone with all her money, her cell phone, everything. And she sits there and has a fit. What? That was a terrible date. And you know, you know that's how a lot of stories of us trying to help people end in this life. When we sit with the needy, we make ourselves vulnerable. And we can help and help and help and we can give and give and give and sometimes we see wonderful results but often in this world we do not. We do our best to help people have better lives and, and they betray us and they, they walk out on all the help we've given them and they keep making choices that we just find incomprehensible. We give and we give and we give and everything ends up falling apart And going backwards. The world. The world does not guarantee. That we will be blessed. When we serve those in need. And we are. Well we are misinformed. And we are foolish. If we think that helping people. Will always look good for us. In the here and now. We. We. We are mistaken if we think that we will be blessed and we'll feel good about it every time that we sit down with someone who's needy. Sometimes we will, but often all we'll receive back is indifference or hostility or even some level of harm. That's how life works. And it's not hopeless because that's how Jesus' life worked too. Think of Jesus telling these stories, telling these parables, being at this banquet, and He knows what's coming. He knows what His future will look like, and and what His future looks like is humiliating. He won't just be at the bottom table at the banquet. He will be unjustly convicted. He will be put in the status of a hopeless, rejected criminal. He will give and give and give to the poor and the crippled and the lame and the blind and everybody who comes to Him. And we human beings, and we are all part of this, don't don't think we today are exempt. But we human beings, we will take and take and take from Jesus, and in the end, in the end we take His life. Jesus came to bless all of us, and we human beings took His very life. This is the road that Jesus walked for us. Jesus humbled himself to the point of humiliation. Jesus gave his life for those who could not and would not repay him. And that reality gives us hope for ourselves. It gives us hope that no matter how bad we are, the Lord takes care of us. And what's more, it gives us a road to walk to serve others. When we hear how Jesus, when we hear how Jesus speaks to the people in this text, we should feel uncomfortable. We should hear Jesus calling us into difficult and broken places. We should hear Jesus telling us to, to plan on giving more than we can afford. But along with that, Jesus gives us something more. Remember that Jesus says in this text, those who humble themselves will be exalted. And he tells us that we will be blessed if we give to those who can't repay and that we will be repaid. And those, those sentences, we will be exalted, we will be repaid, Jesus is telling us that the Lord himself guarantees those things. When we invest in the Lord's work, He guarantees that we will be repaid. The Christian life is never a short-term investment. We do not always see the dividends we want to see in this life, but the Lord always takes care of us. When we invest in giving to the needy, when we invest in following Jesus' commands to sit with the poor, then we have a 100% guaranteed return on the investment that the Lord will repay us. So as a church, I hope we can take these steps together. I hope and pray that we can place others before ourselves. I hope and pray that we can truly, even in these difficult times, sit with the needy. And I know and I trust that the Lord will bless us as we serve Him and forever. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for all that you have given to us. And Lord, we pray that you give us the resources that we need to be humble, to give of what we have to others, and to trust that you will provide everything that we need. In these hard times, we turn to you for everything. And we give you thanks that you are our comfort and our hope. Amen. In response to God's word, we're going to sing two verses of the song, Have Thine Own Way, Lord. And let's sing this song as a song of commitment, truly expressing to the Lord that we wish Him to lead and guide us. this commission from the Lord. God has shown you what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. The Lord Jesus is with us always. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord.
1: Praise God.